Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit. The show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit on your community radio, WDBX 91.1 FM. My name is Tree Song, and I believe we may have a special guest here on the radio. I think I hear him. How special am I? Oh, yeah, there you are. And you hear us, too. <laughs> well, you're pretty special. You're coming across the ocean, aren't you? I am, yep. Just just south of Cuba and the islands. <laughs> um, I've been looking all morning. I made a meme that said, you think Santa regrets giving all that coal now that his home is washing away? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It is right, gone- now that his home is melting. And I, I made it, and I put it on a meme site, and I've been having, I've had like 6,000 people like it, and people are like making memes back, and I've been laughing all morning. Wow, yeah. Like, like one of them is showing Santa like in a hammock, drinking, like with no shirt on, drinking a drink, and it says, doesn't look like Santa cares. And then another one shows Santa like, um, what is it? I forgot, when you're behind a boat, you know, skiing. <laughs> yeah, water skiing. Water ski. Yep. And it says, looks like he's having a good time. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess that's um, the flaw in giving the coal to all of the naughty boys and girls. They ended up burning it and melting everything. <laughs> Well, someone just did one five minutes ago that said, if I'm really evil, will Santa give me a coal mine? <laughs> yeah. So, yep, I've been laughing. So I've never had, like, something I do, like, go viral. So I don't know. It's <laughs> it's going around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. So. All right, so let's see. What news do we have for today? Uh, do you have the news pulled up too? Okay. Oop. <laughs> I think we just lost Orr there. Let me take him off hold for a moment and then we'll see if he calls in uh, in a little bit. But I can go ahead and get us started with the first story until then. Alright, here we go. Hold on just one moment here. Alright, so let's get to our first story. Exxon's oil industry peers knew about climate dangers in the 1970s too. So the American Petroleum Institute, together with the nation's largest oil companies, ran a task force to monitor and share climate research between 1979 and 1983. This research indicated that the oil industry, not just Exxon alone, was aware of its possible impact on the world's climate far earlier than previously known. Now we talked a lot about this original story with Exxon, where Exxon knew back in the Late 70s, early 80s, they knew a lot about the impacts their business was having on the climate. But it turns out with this latest evidence that it's not just Exxon. It was really most, if not all, of the fossil fuel industry. The group's members included senior scientists and engineers from nearly every major U.S. and multinational oil and gas company, including Exxon, Mobil, Amoco, Philips, Texaco, Shell, Sunoco, Sohio, as well as Standard Oil of California, and Gulf Oil, the predecessors of Chevron. 
according to internal documents obtained by Inside Climate News and interviews with the task force's former director. So an in- Inside Climate News investigative series has shown that Exxon launched its own cutting-edge CO2 sampling program in 1978 in order to understand a phenomenon it suspected could harm its business. About a decade later, Exxon spearheaded campaigns to cast doubt on climate science and stall regulation of greenhouse gases. The previously unpublished papers about the Climate Task Force indicate that API, the industry's most powerful lobbying group, followed a similar arc to Exxon in confronting the threat of climate change. Just as Exxon began tracking climate science in the late 1970s, when only a small group of scientists in academia and the government were engaged in the research, other oil companies did the same, the documents show. Like Exxon, the companies also expressed a willingness to understand the links between their products, greater CO2 concentration, and the climate, the papers reveal. Bruce S. Bailey of Texaco offered for consideration the idea that, quote, an overall goal of the task force should be to help develop ground rules for energy release of fuels and the cleanup of fuels as they relate to CO2 creation. This was back in February 29, 1980. So back in 1980, the fossil fuel companies were considering what pollution was being caused, how they could clean it up so they were emitting less CO2, And they also discussed investigating market penetration requirements of introducing a new energy source to worldwide use. So that would have been things like renewables. You know, back in the 1980, they were, (laughs) the fossil fuel industry was considering, should we switch over to renewable energy? That sort of thing. Yet by the 1990s, it was clear that API had opted for a markedly different approach to the threat of climate change. It joined Exxon, other fossil fuel companies, and major manufacturers in the Global Climate Coalition, a lobbying group whose objective was to derail international efforts to curb heat-trapping emissions. In 1998, a year after the Kyoto Protocol was adopted by countries to cut fossil fuel emissions, API crafted a campaign to convince the American public and lawmakers that the climate science was too tenuous for the United States to ratify the treaty. So again, they went around spreading the, the doubt in order to get people to not pass policies to act on climate change. So here's another quote from API. uh, Unless climate change becomes a non-issue, meaning that the Kyoto proposal is defeated and there are no further initiatives to thwart the threat of climate change, there may be no moment when we can declare victory for our efforts, according to the draft Global Climate Science Communications Action Plan circulated by API. Now, API and GCC considered themselves victorious when George W. Bush pulled the U.S. out of the Kyoto Agreement. A June 2001 briefing memorandum records a top State Department official thanking the GCC because Bush, quote, rejected the Kyoto Protocol in part based on input from you. So basically, the fossil fuels industry got together with, through this API organization and swayed the course of public policy away from taking any action whatsoever on climate change. I mean, this is, they studied the science for a while and decided, oh, there's really no way around it. Our industry would end if we were to have an effective response to climate change. So then they decided to fund the denialist side. It's really interesting to me as someone who, like, you know, I was uh, 
basically for the entire course of my life then, the fossil fuel industry has known of the dangers of their product, and they've chosen to deceive the public about it. So it's strange for me to think about how my life would be different and all of our lives would be different if we had just, if they had just been honest with themselves at the time and said, oh, let's actually listen to this research and let's do something about climate change. Let's change our industry rather than trying to change public policy and harm the entire world. All right, so let's get to a little bit of music here. We will see if Orr is able to call back and get on the show. If not, I'm more than happy to fly solo here and get some more news and happenings to you. But let's get to this song. I wanted to play this holiday song anyway. This one is one we play almost every year, possibly every year for the past five or ten years. It's by Dar Williams, and it's called The Christians and the Pagans. It's a wonderful tune to play right around now, a tune about people of different beliefs and faiths getting together and having a good time for the holidays. All right, we are back, and we momentarily had... <laughs> Just while the song was finishing, we momentarily had Orr back in the studio with us. Well, you know, digitally back in the studio with us. But it seems like his call has been dropped again. He's been trying hard to get on the air here, but apparently the internet where he is is having issues. So we may just have to wish him a happy happy Christmas and happy Yule. I think we've lost our chance to connect with him. <laughs> he may try one more time, but we'll see how it goes. So let's get back to some of the other news. Uh, we have other news coming up today. Um, oh, I haven't, I just realized we've played songs about the holidays. I don't think I've actually wished you a Merry Christmas yet. So Merry Christmas, Happy Yule, Happy Solstice, uh, Happy Human Lights, uh, whatever holidays you celebrate or don't celebrate. Hope you have a happy day, happy week, and a happy year. All right, so let's get to some uh, some very... Locally relevant news here. There's been some strange weather going on lately. The story relates to that. Yes, Virginia, there is an El Nino. As the early warm, moist autumn in eastern North America dribbles into an even eerier, watery, logged Christmas season, we've seen a lot of ham-fisted reporting along the lines of, what about all this warm weather? Is it climate change? With the teeth-grindingly shallow answer being, why no, it's El Nino. So we asked Mike Mann of Penn State, the famous climatologist, to weigh in. So here's a quote from him. Yes, El Nino is a part of it. So are the vagaries of the weather. But so too is human-caused climate change. We've had weather before. We've had big El Ninos before. We have never, at least during my adult life, had anything like this before. Near 80 degrees Fahrenheit in D.C. on Christmas Eve day? That's not weather and it's not El Nino. It's something more. This is a simple concept. Yes, El Nino makes cold air breakouts from Canada less likely, and a warm December more likely. But the kinds of records we are breaking this year, many of them set in previous El Nino years, are indications that there is indeed, quote, something more going on. That something is large amount of heat and moisture in the atmosphere that was not there 10, 20, or 50 years ago. Heat and moisture are that are part of every weather event, including the current one. So yes, Virginia, there is an El Nino. But that's not the only thing that's slouching towards Bethlehem with this year's unsettling balmy Noel. Now I was glad to find this article because there 
I don't quite understand this. Well, there are a lot of people who just want one answer for what's going on in a system as complex as the entire global climate. Like, oh, it's only El Nino. There's no other influence here. Or, oh, it's only global warming. There's nothing else going on. Well, it's, it's a complex system. You may have noticed it's a very large planet with a lot of different things going on. And yes, El Nino is contributing to this warming, but so is global warming. An analogy I like that I saw was that global warming is the equivalent of slowly walking up a set of stairs, and El Nino is the equivalent of standing on tippy-toes. You know, anytime you stand on tippy-toes, you're slightly higher than you were before. But walking upstairs takes you even higher than that. So that's why the temperatures are so high lately, is a combination of El Nino and global warming. So now that we're feeling these impacts, here's a bit of the next news story. How will Midwest farmers prepare for the impact of climate change? You can bet the farm that climate change is happening and that it will change the way we approach agriculture. For example, here's the climate science forecast for Illinois 20 to 40 years from now. Temperatures akin to today's Mid-South rainfall patterns, comparable to present-day East Texas. That may sound okay to you right now, all bundled up in the blankets in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah, you know, because it's so cold here right now. But you might feel differently when the summers start getting toastier. Yeah, I mean, 10 or 20 extra degrees right here in the middle of winter, it feels kind of nice, but middle of summer, not so much. According to a study recently published in Bioscience, it's not a good prospect for farmers in America's breadbasket. Scientific American reports, today average yields for corn and soybeans in the Midwest are about 173 bushels per acre. By 2050, researchers predict yields could fall by as much as a quarter. Yield losses in the Midwest aren't just bad for American consumers. The region provides the largest share of globally traded corn and soybeans. Farmers are already responding to more variable weather by installing drainage systems to keep their fields from becoming waterlogged during heavy rains and expanding irrigation to ward off the effects of drought. Some farmers are reducing tillage to increase soil carbon content and reduce erosion. Others are buying larger equipment so they can complete planting faster when the conditions are favorable. Those measures alone may not be enough to help farmers overcome the challenges of a shifting climate. One solution proposed by the researchers from the study is an interdisciplinary approach to big data with the combined knowledge of agronomists, agricultural economists, soil scientists, and genomists, we could create a network to build a more comprehensive picture of how climate change will affect agriculture and the best strategies for adapting. So basically putting our heads together with a bunch of people with a bunch of different expertise, deciding what is the climate going to be like, what things will grow okay in that kind of climate, what's going to actually sell if we grow it. It's going to take a lot of effort to respond to climate change here. All right, we'll do one more quick story, and then we will get on to some of the happenings. So this next one is a... Let's see. Here it is. <laughs> we had some depressing news about climate change before, but this is why scientists have hope for the climate. I'll admit, after the, the climate summit that recently happened and the non-binding commitments they all went through, there, there's a lot of people feeling depressed about the climate. There's no getting around the fact that the climate change is a bummer. The planet is warming, ice is melting, oceans are acidifying, and, well, you get the point. While the bad news is important... 
lets us know what we're getting into with this whole climate change thing, it's also worth remembering there's reason for hope. This year, the world finally came together in Paris where a landmark climate pact was agreed to, and they are trying to put a cap on greenhouse gas emissions. There are some fascinating innovations that could speed up the world's efforts to curb climate change. So, in light of all of this, they have asked climate experts for their top reasons for climate hope in 2015 and what to look forward to in 2016. Now, I'm just going to mention a couple of these. You can go to climatecentral.org for the full article, or you can email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we'll send it your way. One of the questions was, what's the biggest reason to be hopeful about the climate at the end of 2015? And I like this answer. Uh, Marshall Shepard from the Atmospheric Sciences Department at University of Georgia says, I'm encouraged that the notion that climate change is a political issue is starting to erode. Key conservatives, major corporations, the military, and faith communities all recognize the challenges and opportunities. Recent Paris Agreement is a bold step. It isn't perfect, but it's an important signal. And that is an important shift I feel like we have to go through, is we don't necessarily have to all agree on all of the solutions, but if we're going to solve this problem and face this climate crisis, we all have to take our heads out of the sand and recognize that there is, in fact, a problem. It's like if there's a train speeding towards you and you're not looking in that direction, (laughs) you're going to get run over. So it's good to see many more people considering it an issue to act on. Another question was, do you have a climate wish for next year? One of the answers from Leslie Hughes, Australia Climate Council counselor, says, My climate wish for the new year is that all the parties to the Paris Agreement waste no time in not only implementing their current pledges, but also seeking to increase their ambition. My greatest wish would be to see global competition to have climate policy in action to be as great a source of pride and focus as winning gold medals at the Olympics. After all, saving the planet is more important than sports. Wouldn't that be a funny thing, a great thing to imagine if the nations had, like, the climate Olympics, and whichever nation reduces their emissions the most gets a gold medal, and next runner-up gets a silver? Maybe we could organize that. All right, so let's get on to some of the local stuff here. This one actually is a local news story rather than a uh, happening. But Santa Claus was spotted at the Carbondale's Town Square. On last Sunday afternoon, an unexpected figure was spotted picking up litter around Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. Passers-by were able to identify the figure, but were hesitant to give their names, since they were not sure they could believe their eyes. More information was obtained by Keep Carbondale Beautiful, whose director said that she had recently asked her board if anyone had a Santa Claus costume for the photo shoot. But then unexpectedly, they ran into Santa Claus himself. When she explained the idea for a photo shoot, he reassured her that he was already in the habit of picking up litter, and even carried his own grabbers for the purpose. He said, Why get someone with a costume when you can have the real deal? So they met on Sunday afternoon with a few elves and cleaned up around Carbonell's Town Square, leaving a few photos and a clean space as evidence. So that was very nice of Santa Claus. It's good to know that he cares about litter and cleaning up litter and protecting the environment. You can get more information about Keep Carbondale Beautiful at keepcb.org or find them on Facebook under Keep Carbondale Beautiful. Alright, some holidays. You may have noticed today is Christmas Day. That is a very big holiday we are celebrating today. It's also apparently National Pumpkin Pie Day. 
I guess people want to eat pumpkin pie on Christmas. Some other holidays coming up. Uh, card playing day is on Monday and Boxing Day. And Make Up Your Mind Day is on Thursday. But I haven't made up my mind if I'm going to celebrate that or not. It's also New Year's Eve. And I don't, li- I don't like this one, Unlucky Day. Why would you celebrate an unlucky day? I think it's a lucky day to have New Year's Eve. All right, let's get into some of these local happenings. If you have any happenings that you would like to happen by promoting them on the air, you can email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. It's a little quiet for the holidays. People are enjoying their time with friends and family and the unseasonably warm weather. But here's a good happening that's going on right now, probably about you know a few yards away from the station here. It's the Ice Skating Rink Fundraiser. There's an ice skating rink now in downtown Carbondale on the tar- Carbondale Town Square. This rink is open on Fridays in January from noon to 6 p.m. It's not open today because of Christmas Day. But it is open on weekends, including this weekend, Saturdays and Sundays from noon to 6 p.m. And next week, for the first couple of days of the week, during weekdays, it's 12 to 6 p.m. They're also open from 12 to 6 p.m. on the uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. So they're up, basically open a lot on weekends and a little bit during the week. And it's on the Town Square East Ice Skating Rink on the 100 block of East Jackson Street, just across from Long Branch and just down the street from WDBX. This ice rink is now open. It's made of plastic sections coated in silicone and can only be used with specific types of ice skates. But luckily they have those ice skates available for rent on the site for $3. Town Square East Ice Skating Rink is sponsored by Walker's Bluff, the City of Carbondale, and the Carbondale Park District. It's $3 per person. They also have Friday Night Family Skate, which is $10 for a family of four, with additional persons each $2. Payment is by cash or check only. All the proceeds will go to construct the, the Carbondale Super Splash Park. For more information, you can call the Life Community Center at 618-549-4222. Now, the Farmer's Market, we love celebrating the Farmer's Market, but it actually is not going today because of the holiday, or this Saturday, I should say. There will be no Farmer's Market on the east side of town on December 26th or on January 2nd, due to Christmas and New Year's, respectively. The market will resume, however, on January 9th, so... If you're starting to run low on your produce and you're looking forward to getting all that good stuff, it's coming back on January 9th at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Carbondale Community High School indoors. I know it's tempting. The weather is so nice you might think, well, maybe they'll sneak outside. But for consistency's sake, uh, I believe they're going to keep it indoors for the whole winter, even if they get unseasonably warm weather. All right, also coming up, the Labyrinth Walk is coming up on Sunday, January 3rd from 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park, 913 South Illinois Avenue, just north of Guy House. They do this monthly on the first Sunday. Sounds like a good way to start off the new year. 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. on January 3rd. Also coming up is Transportic Playground, Tuesday, January 5th from 8 p.m., onward at Guy House Interfaith Center. It's an opportunity to share poetry and listen to poetry, even if you don't write any. That's 913 South Illinois Avenue. And we've got time for one more. This is more of a mark your calendar. It's the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.
Community Celebration. It's happening on Saturday, January 17th at 4 p.m. at the Carbonale Civic Center. Oh, excuse me, Sunday, January 17th at, 7, at 4 p.m. at the Carbonale Civic Center. It's the 17th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Community Celebration. The theme for this year's celebration is We Who Believe in Freedom Shall Not Rest Until It Comes. There will be music, interpretive dance, readings, and a special performance by Jeff McGoy. The community choir will perform under the direction of Pat York, accompanied by the Southern Illinois West African Drum Ensemble. The public is invited to participate in this community choir. There are three locations for rehearsals. They're doing them on Monday, January 4th and Monday, January 11th from 7.30 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. at the Guy House Interfaith Center on 913 South Illinois Avenue. They're also rehearsing at Rock Hill Missionary Baptist Church, located at the corner of Marion and Monroe Streets in Carbondale, on January 16th from 10 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. Final rehearsal is at the Civic Center at 3.45 p.m. right before the big event. So we'll mention that again as it approaches. In the meantime, this has been a fun and exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. I hope you've enjoyed it at least as much as I have. If you have any happenings or other info to send our way, the email address is info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And in the meantime, hope you have a great Christmas, great New Year's. We will see you next week on the radio.